Welcome to the Rain in Threes podcast with Alan Ray and Mike O'Connell. Hello and welcome to the 20th episode of the Rain in Threes podcast. I'm your host, Mike O'Connell, here with the Naismith Player of the Year finalist at AP All-American, Alan Ray. Hey, Ray and I have a special guest for you guys this evening. The former Duke center played under Coach Gay and uh, an assistant coach who now is a current college basketball analyst for ESPN, the legendary Jay Billis. Jay, how are we doing tonight, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, definitely good having you on here. Um, you're definitely a legend. I've known you growing up for a long time. It's always an honor to hear you say my name on TV, especially after the games. It was it was always an honor. Well, we, I talked about it a lot. You guys were so good when you were there. I mean, it was a, a honor for me. Definitely appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's just uh, wanted to uh, catch up with you. You were down uh, doing your work for ESPN, doing some, you know, the Feast Week early season tournaments are always uh, so much fun to to really, you know, the unofficial start of the season. Some great you know, out-of-conference games, some some Big 12, Big East, ACC, SEC battles all around. And the Villanova Wildcats just got down the nets in Atlantis, the third time they've done that. Uh, another great tournament showing by Marquette. They did lose to Purdue, but they showed what their true colors are seriously made of. And and UConn, the defending champs, doing their thing in the Empire Classic. So, Jay, where do you rank the Big East among the best conferences in the country? It's still a little early. I mean, I think the Big East has proven to be among the, the top three, uh, certainly. And the way they performed in the non-conference, uh, I think, uh, backs that up. But, you know, we're going to know through the end of December that that's really sort of where everything is fleshed out. And there are you know, a number of big East teams had had tough games uh, this past week and established them themselves. We knew the top of the league was going to be good. I think it's got really good depth. You know, it's kind of funny. I don't really know how to rank conferences best. You know, what's the best league? What does it mean? Is it the teams at the top? They have the most teams that are going to make the tournament. Most teams that have a chance to get to a final four, win a title, or is it best top to bottom? You know, like, um, the big 12, I think last year, maybe the year before was probably the best top to bottom. Um, and you know, they had more difficult games throughout the, the course of their season from the bottom half of the, the league than any other league. But I don't know how that relates to, you know, if you got the top of your league, if you got the five best, you know, five best teams, you know, a lot of people are going to think you're the best league. So it's, it's sort of a moving target, but the big East is, is, uh, competitive with any league in the country but how they do like you know last year i thought the big 10 was the best league and then they uh, or the year before maybe then they go into the tournament late date and uh and everybody's like well you know see it wasn't any good they're like come on man i mean that's not the way it works you gotta look at the regular season postseason's a new year all right so who have you been impressed with so far from the big east since that's better than the rankings like what who you've been impressed with I think the two best teams are are UConn and Marquette. Um, they've both been outstanding, and uh, you know Marquette was a bucket away from beating Purdue. And uh, uh, heck, you know Purdue made a seventy foot shot at halftime that wound up being the mar- margin of the game. Uh, but Marquette's legit. They're not big, but they're aggressive and they're athletic, and uh, they've got a number of playmakers they can put in the game. 
uh, and really make things difficult on opponents, and they know how to play. They're a very tight group. Uh, UConn's got a lot of new pieces, but uh, people stepping into new roles. And then Tristan Newton goes out and gets his fourth uh, triple-double of his career, and uh, Donovan Klingon's healthy now, and uh, you know he's a lead dog at center, replacing Adama Sanogo. He didn't play all that much last year. When he played, he was great. But it's a big difference playing 15 minutes a game, playing 30. And uh, and he, he looks like he's going to be a, an All-American uh, at that spot. And they're still they're still playing without without Stephon Castle, who's a you know, potential lottery pick. Yeah. So his shooting comes back in, and and they're going to be as good as anybody. So, you know, I, th- I still think Creighton's really good. They had a they had a bad outing uh, in a game uh, this week, um, but but they're uh, they're still legit. I think uh, UConn looks like they haven't lost a step from last year. Um, those guys are definitely still rolling. I really like Marquette. Um, Shaka Smart does a great job relating to those guys and gets those guys going. And uh, I think also Iguodaro is a pro, you know, in a, a first round as well. 6'11", can guard every single position on the court. You know, he's efficient in the paint when he's scoring. He's And he has a jo- Josh Hart motor, that's what I like to say. So uh, I really like I really like Marquette and, and what they're doing now in the Big East. I agree, and I think Iguodaro is a pro. Uh, you know, he doesn't shoot it. That's the one thing. Yeah. You know, even his free throws are below 50% right now. And I think that's, you know, it's a small sample size for this year, but it, it's not a, it, you know, he's not going to take the free throw title away from anybody. But if he can just <laughs> make it at a 65% clip or something, he becomes that much more dangerous. But they're, they're really, really good, really talented, and really tough. Um, you know, defensively, they can turn the heat up on you full court and turn you over. And, uh, they're very disruptive. Um, and I think Villanova's good. Um, they're not not as deep, perhaps, as uh, as uh, UConn or, or Marquette, but uh, their first five is very good. And uh, and they, they played really well. I thought they played really well in the Bahamas. And, uh, and Eric Dixon looks like a different player. I mean, he's always been good, but he, he looks – you know, more mobile, slimmer. And uh, I think he, what, he have 34 against Carolina. I mean, he was, yeah. he was great. Uh, and, you know, to win that tournament, that's a good field. And uh, to come out of there as a champion is, is really, really, I think bodes really well for him. Yeah. And one thing about Eric Dixon, like us fans know, and you probably know as well, every single year he's gotten better. Like mm-hmm. we have seen an improvement in him which is which is unbelievable. You don't really see that with a lot of guys, but that's a testament to Villanova and what they do for their player development as well. So uh, seeing the growth of Eric Dixon, you know, we are definitely used to that. And getting that win in the Bahamas, I think it was really great for these guys, just the morale of the team moving forward. You know, I think it was a big win and the coaching staff, and I think Kyle Neptune really deserved all of this today. Yeah, Jay, so... Villanova, the one blemish on the record is that loss at Penn at the Palestra. And the the issue that night was they couldn't really figure out Penn's 2-3 zone. The three games they played in, in Battle for Atlantis, Texas Tech, Carolina, and today against Memphis, they didn't see one 2-3 zone look the entire time. Do you, do you have any explanation for that? Because you got to think that opponents in the future, one play Nova, they're going to throw the zone look at them. I'm sure they'll see zone throughout the course of the year, but it's still early in the season. Most teams don't practice as much zone offense now. 
uh, they'll do it throughout the course of the year. Um, so it's not, I don't think it's that big of a deal. And, you know, Alan knows this better than anybody, you know, those big five games are difficult and, uh, and, you know, you, you go into one of those arenas, it's tough. And, and this is not the first big five game Villanova's ever lost. Jay Wright lost a couple of those too. It's not that big of a deal. And Penn's good. So, um, you know, those are, those are good games to play. And, uh, and especially when you're now when they see a zone, they'll be a little bit more attentive to it. When they work on zone, you know, it's something they they can work on, and uh, and they'll be able to attend to that too. But uh, that's really about um, zones are about uh, attacking gaps, ball movement, player movement, and you know, you you tend to uh, sometimes zones can get you to stand around a little bit, and that's that's why they do it. You know, it's different. You know, Rick Pitino used to play a lot of zone, and they would yeah. they would go zone to man last. I don't know whether it's last last ten seconds of the shot clock when the ball went to the post, stuff like that. They'd go mm-hmm. man, and so it could be really difficult to play against. But one of the reasons that he played so much zone is, I asked him one time, like, why do you do that? He said, he said, I've never seen a zone offense as good as a man offense, and that's why Jim Bayon played it for so many years. Is is there's only like five or six things you can really do against the zone. And, uh, uh, you know, there are downsides to zone rebounding is one of them rebounding responsibilities are a little more difficult in a zone. Um, but, uh, but I'm not, I'm not as worried about, Hey, you know, they saw zone and lost. They could, they, they could have lost. Penn's good. So it's not that, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not that worried about it. Yeah. I don't think people understand, um, the big five especially playing against a team like Penn and your Villanova. Once these guys get going, hit a couple of shots, the crowd gets going, it's it's pretty much over. You know, you you're in for a game to to the clock hits zero. So a lot of a lot of people don't don't really understand that aspect of Big Five. Yes, I understand it was Penn and you know people were like, "Oh man, kind of upset about it, but Big Five is a is a is a pretty big atmosphere." Yeah, and, and Alan, you you know this like uh, a lot of those Big Five games that Villanova won, and people you know may see the score, maybe they watch the game. They're they're one or two possession games anyway when yeah. you win, yeah. and and they they tend to say, oh okay, well you know Villanova beat Penn and and everybody moves on, but it doesn't didn't mean that the game wasn't a fist fight for forty minutes. You know that's what those games usually are. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the transfers maybe not knowing what the big five really was about with, you know, Burton coming from Richmond, Hart coming from Maryland, Bomba, Washington State, Aiden Ware, Kentucky, like those guys just maybe got taken aback in a way, what the like atmosphere was like at the Palestra, Burpen, St. Joe's, Temple, LaSalle, those type of games. But uh, you know, I think they obviously responded really well. I think the the North Carolina victory yesterday was a statement win for Kyle Neptune. And, and Jay, for, for years with Coach Wright uh, at the helm, you said Villanova had the greatest culture in college basketball, right? And now with Kyle Neptune, his second year at the helm, do you still believe that, that Nova has the best culture in, in the entire country? The culture is still the same. Um, you know, we'll see how the results go, and I think it's got a chance to be be really good. Kyle's really good. He's, re- you know, he's a young coach, and, uh, he has to establish it his way. It's not going to be exactly the same, uh, and that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't you don't want uh, you know a robotic uh, kind of dedication to something that is over, and the Jay Wright period is over. 
And now it's the Kyle Neptune period. It's still Villanova and still the culture. Uh, so I think a lot of the, uh, not a lot, all of the same values still exist in the program. And, but there may be some, some subtle differences that uh, go with, with personal beliefs that uh, one coach has versus the other. And look, it's going to be different because the landscape is different now. You know, Jay didn't have to deal with NIL and the transfer portal. And so, you know, you see it in football. People are complaining, well, Dabo Swinney's not at, at Clemson's not using the portal. And then now Shaka Smart is saying, well, we don't believe in it. Um, and it's not to say they're never going to take a transfer, but uh, they'd, they'd rather try to go the route of, of growing their own, their own talent and developing it. We'll see how all that stuff works out. Um, if you win, everything's great. It's the right decision. Uh, if you don't win, it's like a, it's like a shot. You know, you take, you, you miss it. It's a bad shot. You know, uh, you take a challenged one and make it what a great play, you know, oh, the, yeah. it, it, a lot of it depends on make or miss. And a lot of this stuff is going to depend on, on win or lose. What are your uh, thoughts on NIL since we're talking about it right now? You know, I just feel like there's just no regulations on it. I just don't know which direction the NCAA is going with this NIL. It's just all over the place right now. And uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, generally, Alan, I think it's all good because I think we went way too many years where the players uh, were bringing tremendous value and not able to realize that value. And yet, uh, and I, I look, I played a long time ago, same when I played. Uh, you make one little mistake and you're looked upon as some criminal. And th that's just not real life. There's no way that, that any person could live under the old NCAA amateurism rules. And I believe this to be true. I don't think any good player has ever been truly eligible in college basketball under those rules. I don't think, I don't think there's a single banner hang uh, in, in country of, of league or, or NCAA titles or Final Four banners where everybody was eligible. It's just not possible. And that doesn't mean everybody's taking money under the table. But those rules were so restrictive that, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was the same when you played, Alan, because uh, things hadn't changed that much. I had to work for money, Jay. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 something as stupid as, as if Jay Wright has you over to his house, you get, you know, to watch football on a Saturday after practice, you know, you get a team get together and they cater food in and they yep. bring a bunch of pizzas and other stuff. All right, you can eat as much as you want while you're there, but if you take anything back to your dorm room, uh, that's a violation. You go, really? Yeah. I mean, really? And don't tell me that that you know guys like like us who are normal good guys. Um, you know, you went to a local place and and you used to go there, take your girlfriend, go with your friends, and you know the fifth or sixth time you're in there, the the owner of the place says, hey, this one's on me. You know, what are we supposed to do? Wrestle them to the ground and make them take the money? <laughs> You know, and those those things that happen to everybody in society is, you know, they bring you a free dessert after the meal. You know, you eat there all the time. So, hey, they bring you dessert. That's a violation. You know, it wouldn't be a big one. But those say those are the kind of things that were happening. They'd ask you, where'd you get that watch? Where'd you get that car? Like, come on. You know, yeah. now we don't have to worry about that stuff. But but that's the general thing is, is you know. Finally, the players can start realizing on some, on some of their value, not all. But to your point on there's no rules, what are the rules for coaches' pay? You know, there's no rules on that either. 
what are the rules on when you, you know, like when you say you went and got a job, what were the rules on that? You know, who could you work for? What could you do? I mean, you know, it's so stupid. Like, so my thing would be the NCAA needs to get out of this business. Let, you know, you're, it's a multi-billion dollar entertainment industry run off college campuses. The coaches are making millions of dollars. The, the TV contracts are worth billions, literally billions of dollars with a B. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the players making money. And what I would do is say, all right, no rules. If you want, if Villanova, if you want to pay your players as employees or set up a separate corporation for the basketball program or the soccer program or your athletics department, go ahead. You guys know how to comply with Title IX. You guys know your players will figure out how to pay taxes. It's not that difficult. The rest of the world doesn't. And, uh, and let's, let's stop all this nonsense because this is, this is pro sports and it has been, it, it was pro sports when you played pro sports when I played it's pro sports now and there's nothing wrong with that um, we just have to get out of this antiquated notion that uh, that you know players are playing for the love of the game you know I, I like you played professional basketball so did I. I I didn't love the game any less when I got paid I loved it more <laughs> I loved it more and this nonsense about about love of the game and all that stuff uh, and, and, you know, the transfer portal is another matter. I mean, if players are allowed to be paid under contract, we'll see the transfer issue disappear. Um, but you can't go a hundred years. The NCAA can't go a hundred years saying these are students to be treated like any other student. And, uh, and they're students who just happen to be athletes and then tell them you can't transfer. I I any other student can transfer and participate in any extracurricular activity they want to right like that. And we went, um, uh, most people don't know this. Uh, there, are, there are only transfer restrictions in five sports before the portal. It was football, uh, men's and women's basketball, baseball, and hockey. Every other sport could be trans could transfer and be eligible right away. And the NCAA knew they were going to get hammered on that in court, so they, they came up with this portal idea. And I know the coaches don't like it, and some of the old guard are like, uh, players need to go through adversity. And you hear this a lot. Uh, the, the, the year sitting out is the best thing for players. Well, if it's the best thing for players, then you do it at your school. Have them sit out if it's so great. They want them to play right away. Uh, you know, it, it's sitting out is for somebody else's player. When they transfer to your school, they want them to play right away. That's why everybody's applying for all the waivers. No, I think that's good, uh, the, the transfer portal. And uh, it just brings all more opportunity, especially in the world of basketball. Um, just like with these mid-majors, you know, I think that I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Over the past few years, these guys, mid-major teams have been playing well against some of these power conference schools, especially in the tournament, getting to the Final Four, making it um, Sweet 16s. Like, what do you think the, the surge in the mid-majors is, is coming from? Well, one, there are more good players out there than there have ever been. Uh, you know, basketball continues to be the second most popular sport in the world, so a, a lot of people play it. Uh, I do think the way the game has trended, where it's more of a perimeter-oriented game, has opened it up for um, more, you know, kind of smaller schools to do well. If you've got five guys that can pass, dribble, and shoot, uh, you can be pretty good. And, you know, I've been watching Florida Atlantic a lot. I watched them last year. Did I see a Final Four coming out of them? No, I didn't. I knew they were really good. 
but I didn't think they'd go to the final four and they were, you know, they played Memphis in the first round. They were a ridiculous turnover away from being out in the first round and no would be talking about them, but they're, they're legit and they do such a good job of attacking health. They're well-drilled. They're older. They've got size. Um, it's possible. It can happen. Um, but the, the major conferences just have more good players. And so it's not completely even, but you've got some really good teams out there that, that can play. It doesn't mean that everybody can do it, but there are a number of teams. There are probably 20 teams out there that could compete in major conferences and do well. Uh, they're outside of those conferences, like in these smaller leagues, whether it's a Missouri Valley or you name it, Conference USA. Uh, there are a lot of really good players. And, the th- and as time has gone on, you know, I didn't play with a three-point shot in college. It came in after uh, I gra- the year after I graduated. And the first, I don't know how many years, probably it took a long time before I think coaches finally figured out and the game finally figured out what an asymmetrical threat the three-point shot is. And now offenses are built around the three-point line. That wasn't the case years ago. And the game's more of a, a spread floor game where you – can attack off the bounce, draw help, kick it, and play out of that, and it's leading to a lot of threes. And now, I mean, how many how many times maybe when you were playing, Allen? I know it didn't happen when I was playing. You grabbed an offensive rebound within five feet of the basket. You're not kicking that thing out. You're going up with it. And yeah. now, guy grabs it if they don't have an immediate stick back. They're turned around looking at three point line, and those those statistically are the the most valuable. They're the most efficient, uh, high percentage. Uh, three-point shots out there is after an offensive rebound so that that's that's kind of changed the game and I think it's helped a lot of smaller smaller schools be more competitive oh no those shots are definitely the best I remember offensive rebounds I'm running right behind my big man for 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 three-pointers so you're, you're definitely right about that um one thing also I wanted to actually because our you know coach K is a legend and you know I just wanted to know what have you learned playing under coach K you know both on and off the court well, it's probably the same thing as playing for Jay. Um, you know, I, I tend to think that Duke's success is a lot like Villanova's success, and and a lot of it comes from. It's not that you could say, okay, here's here's the offense that you run. Um, here here's here's the Villanova offense. Duke, that's why they win. I think I think Villanova and Duke have been successful over time because they consistently play hard all the time, and that's not easy to do. Um, you know, you, you, I think naturally a lot of players like to take a break here and there. And, uh, you know, even when you, you're playing a team, you know, you should beat and, uh, and the effort isn't quite as, as high level as it is when you play, a, uh, you know, you have your survival instinct up and you're playing against North Carolina or Syracuse or Georgetown, you name it. Um, I think both Jay Wright and, and, and coach K set a standard of this, is, this is the way we're going to play all the time. We're going to practice this way. You know, it's championship effort and practice. Yeah, everything was high level. And it wasn't milk and cookies at practice. Um, <laughs> and and I, I think I think it was probably the same. I mean, I, I wasn't there. You were. Um, but Coach K made us miserable when we lost. We were miserable. And we used to talk about it. We go, we, we got to go, you know, team meal go, do we want to win or do we want to avoid what comes with losing? Uh, <laughs> Because it was, it was, you know, he he did not want us to be comfortable in that in that space, and you know, I know Coach K and Jay Wright probably said the same thing. Uh, they would say, "Hey, look, we go out and give our best effort, and we get beat. 
we'll just we'll just shake hands and i i never experienced that that never happened <laughs> you know we man and we were always it was always a miserable experience after losing and uh uh but one thing he was uh really consistent about is he never never said a word about a good shot missed yeah um you took a bad shot he got on you but but he, he was he was really good about that and he he was uh coach k was great at um i think coach k respected how hard the players jobs were mm-hmm. it didn't mean he wasn't really demanding uh of you but he knew that you know it's a lot easier to be over there calling a timeout and all that than it is to play, and so he was always respectful about how hard it was, and and I think that helped us um, navigate his demands. And and you know being demanding is important for a coach. Like you can be demanding without being demeaning. Yeah. And uh, you know you have a high standard, and you know competitors want to reach it, and uh, didn't mean he always reached it but um but he was really good about that I, I always really respected how much he respected how hard it was for the players to do what he was asking them to do. yeah and um I'm sure with you also you know I really appreciate like the things that coach Wright taught me off the court that you know kind of related on the court as well you know I think the biggest thing for us when we came in was learning about the effort level it takes to win you know, like you said earlier, you know, like some guys are lazy. Also, I believe some guys just don't really understand what it takes to win. So there's like a certain effort level that it takes to win games. You know, there's an effort level to be good and to get by. And there's an effort level to like really, really win games. And he taught us about making that extra pass, making that extra rotation on defense. And like you can relate that stuff to life as well. You know, just putting in that eff- that extra effort to be successful. So it's always good to hear like from another legendary coach and legendary person about things like that. Yeah, and I think one of the things that that all these coaches we're talking about, whether it's Coach Gay or Jay Wright or Tom Izzo, you name it, that they have in common is the 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 effort, the winning effort doesn't stop uh at practice or the weight room or all that um it carried over into everything that you did and so you know your preparation to win included how you took care of yourself um you know your your levels of communication on and off the court um you know the accountability that you showed off the floor that are you going to be out at night you know screwing around uh going to parties or are your priorities to take care of yourself and do the right things to put yourself in a win and same thing with your teammates what are you going to accept from your teammates you know if if two guys are doing the right thing and three guys aren't you know you're you're at a 60 percent deficit when you head into the to the game uh, at least to the guys on the floor and so he was always really really good about that that it, it was you expected uh a kind of everything you did and there's carry there um you can't just do things right in one area and it, that 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 everything's going to be paid. Yeah, sorry, we, uh, we lost you there for a second, Jay. But uh, it's funny, you, you bring up some some points, you, not to go all the way back to the NIL and transfer portal conversation, but just talking about uh, with Coach Seth Greenberg, your colleague at ESPN, who we had him on the show a couple months back, and he talked about how, you know, coming from a coach's perspective, obviously with him, how important like the brotherhood aspect 
the camaraderie aspect of having like a family type of atmosphere with your players and your program. And that's something I feel like Duke under coach Gabe Villanova under coach, right. You know, both of you guys experienced that with the respective programs and, and, and coach Greenberg kind of w- was alluding to that with the transfer portal with Yanel, that, that kind of can, can maybe hurt some of those core values when it comes to, to a, a, a new guy around the block. That's, that's making more money than the guy that he shares the locker with or is next to him in the locker room, things like that, where it kind of can mess up some of the chemistry levels between uh, players, between coaches, just because of the the pay for play mentality that coach Greenberg believes that the NIL really has, has come out to at this point. And I just kind of wanted to get your take and see how you would respond to the Seth. And, and I just thought it was, it's just very funny how you guys both kind of had different opinions on it, but obviously still extremely valid. Well, yeah, I I respect all opinions on it. I, I tend to look at, um, and I don't know how Seth couched it or all that, but if you take uh, take somebody who may say, take it away from Seth and say somebody who may say, oh, you know, you're going to have pr- problems with uh, one player making more than another. Well, welcome to the real world. Like, who, who <laughs> you know, that's the real world. Yeah. You know, I worked at a law firm and I had a bunch of colleagues that made more money than I did. Some who made less. I mean, that that's the way it goes. And what what are we going to do? We're going to tell all the reporters now, make sure you ask a question of every player on the team because we don't want everybody to have their feelings hurt. Now, oh, ma- magazines don't put, you can't put Alan Ray on the cover because somebody's going to get mad. It's like, no, that's not the way it works. And, and you know, I t- what, how is it any different? And you in the old it's when brought in a hot shot tells all you know it's the same it's really not that big of a deal and you know you're you, you take character and pursue a willing going it Pete the chip or where the hey um it's not to me it's not that difficult and uh uh you know like coaches have a lot more say in things than they claim uh in some of these some of these instances like you know you take a transfer in uh, the transfer comes in, like there, there's a lot of pressure on the transfer. You better make this work here because where are you going to go next? Um, now maybe they can go somewhere, but there aren't as many spots available. If it doesn't work out, their value is not as high. And you know, the bench is still the best motivator there is in sports. And, uh, if somebody's not doing like one of the things that, that I've always laughed about is get this really good player in there and the player's not doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, so, and I don't know all the particulars of it. So when, uh, when Ben Simmons was at LSU, um, there was discussion that he wasn't going to class and like, okay, well that's on LSU. Mm-hmm. Like if he's not going to class, then all I have to do is say, Hey Ben, you know, and again, I don't know all the particulars of it. I'm just using right. this as an example. Right. So, so Hey Ben, um, you're not playing until you go to class. Like you're not playing. What's he going to do? Leave? Go, <laughs> go to class. <laughs> go ahead. Leave. If you yeah. don't go to class, there's no uniform for you to wear on, on, on game day. Like that's a condition of you playing. And, you know, when, when you when you do it that way, the players, 90% of the time, fall in line and do it. You know, what, what, what if they said, okay, we have to run the mile in under six minutes uh, for you to be, for you to play this year? A lot of programs do that. Like you, you can't play until you you break six minutes. Um, what are the guys not going to do it? They all do it, but if it but then if it's going to class, like that's not that big of a deal. It's not that hard, and you have a little more leverage over the players than you think. Like they don't want to sit, 
and uh, and they don't want their NBA chances affected or all that stuff. Um, it's really not that big of a deal. So I don't see NIL being a problem. Uh, now, now you can let it be a problem if you want to, but like, what, 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 what do they do in every other aspect of, of life? Um, you know, people make more money. There's, I don't know of any company that pays everybody the same. I just don't. And, and there aren't fights in the coaches locker room. I, I haven't noticed any, and none of the coaches make the same. It's really not that big of a deal. Yeah, I got you. I, I just wanted to hear your take because uh, Coach Greenberg was obviously very passionate coming from kind of his older, like his old school mindset when it comes to coaching and how important the team chemistry is in terms of everyone kind of being uh, on the same page and, and and not having to worry about any sort of outside distractions, which unfortunately it can definitely take over your program a little bit when it comes to people being like, all right, I, I want out. I'm not getting my play time. You know, that quitter type of mentality that maybe some of the younger guys uh, you know, that are a little bit softer and kind of just like, oh, I get what I want type of mentality, which is, I guess, you know, one of the main arguments against the transfer portal and, and how, it, you know, you, you mentioned it, Ben Simmons at LSU, but how about like James Harden and Ben Simmons in the NBA too, right? Like that's the the mindset that a lot of people have when it comes to being like, oh, they can force their way out, that kind of thing. But I feel like that's, that's not going to happen, uh, you know, when you have, you're running a tight ship and you're able to actually coach the guys and and motivate your guys properly yeah then don't recruit them and don't draft it's really not that big of a deal like it's it's really not that big of a deal and you know to me like the the transfer portal and all that stuff the guy says hey you know if i'm not playing i'm going to transfer go ahead because if you're not better than the guy in front of you you're not going to play as much as that person um that that's not that that tough and uh and look i get it but you know to Seth's point, and again, I don't know exactly how Seth presented it, mm. but but say you want to avoid all that. All right, then you just get the players and say, hey, look, uh, all like we're gonna here's how we're gonna do our NIL. We're gonna pull it all together. We're gonna pay everybody the same. And, right. and if the players want to do it, great. Um, or they can say uh, we're not gonna do it at all. Like none of you guys, you know, we're gonna be a program with no NIL. You're gonna get your scholarship and uh, your stipend and and. Uh, and we're going to feed you and all that stuff, but that's the end of it. And see how it works out for you. If that's the culture you want, build it. But, you know, like, I, I didn't notice at Marquette everybody getting really upset. That, that's a really tight-knit group. And uh, uh, I, I tend to think some of these things are excuses and rationalizations, honestly. And again, I'm not talking about what Seth is saying. I didn't hear it. I'm sure I'm sure it was well presented. Um, but I, I just don't, I don't see it. I just don't see it being a big deal because – we and again, like coaches hate it when you compare coaches and players because the coaches feel like, well, I've earned this, and the and the players are in a different position in life. But when a coach at a smaller school kicks ass and they go to the tournament a couple times, they go to the bigger school and take a bigger payday, and you know they get all the players together and say, sorry, you know, I, I mean, we talked about commitment, trust, and all that stuff, but I'm out. And like, what I would do with the transfer portal is say, hey, look, all you guys chose to be here for this season. So we all need to be all in for this season. At the end of the year, each one of you needs to determine for yourselves whether this is where you want to be at the end of the year. And we'll sit down and talk to you about it. Um, and you have to acknowledge that all of you could leave. But if you're sitting here worrying about it during the season, that doesn't do anybody any good. Play the season out. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't think the players have changed any over the years. I think the par parents are different.
I, I think you, you got more parents that are, are super involved and you have coaches that have to deal with parents all the time. And, you know, their, their, their child isn't, you know, it's still their child, but their child is an adult. And, you know, I, I, I never, my parents never talked to coach K and they never went, you know, they never came to my law firm and sat down with the manager partner saying, I'm not sure our son <laughs> is getting paid enough. Like that's, you know, this is that, that's why I say this is pro sports. Like, the parents, great. You know, you guys can sit at dinner and all talk about whether you got, your son should have played more and all that. But I wouldn't listen to that. I, I would never have listened to that when I was a player. It, 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 my parents had nothing to do with it. It was all on me. If I, you know, started, didn't start, and I was lucky to start, um, I, I did that, not them. And uh, I didn't need I didn't need their help. Yeah, I think uh, the transfer portal is probably the biggest wild card right now, college basketball. Um, it's definitely opens up opportunities for these kids. But the only thing I fear is, you know, kids, especially with today's society, you know, I, I don't want to say they're soft, but, you know, they're just not as tough-nosed as I was coming up. You know, I don't want them to think, oh, because the coach is hard on you, all right, now I got to go and go transfer and make the wrong decision. You know, that's just the only thing that I fear with the with the, um, with the portal to today with these kids. So, I just hope that these kids get a lot of good guidance going into the decision-making, um, especially if they want to get into the portal. And uh, speaking of parents, like you said, Jay Billis camp, um, you got a Jay Billis skills camp, and I noticed that you have a parent programming on there as well, and I think that's pretty interesting and uh, something that I've never seen before. And uh, could you talk a little bit about that and what do you offer in that parent program and, and along with um, the skills camp? Like, what was your inspiration behind that? It was it was a dual thing. One was we had, uh, you know, I didn't go to camps when I was a kid. Uh, my, my first basketball camp was one of those recruiting camps. You know, I went to, uh, got invited. Uh, it's kind of the West Coast version of Five Stars called the Sports World Superstar Camp. Okay. And it was basically the best players in the West um, that were brought together, uh, for a camp in the summer. And it was attended by, um, by college coaches. And so it was a big recruiting thing. And, uh, so I didn't have a whole lot of experience. Like, you know, when I was a kid, if I did go to something like, you know, you, maybe there was a summer camp that was an all sports summer camp, not a basketball camp. You know, my parents would drop me off there and they'd pick me up when the camp was over. <laughs> and, you know, now parents, uh, take a kid to camp and they stay the whole time you know they get a hotel room and they're at they're at camp from you know the players start playing at eight in the morning they're there from eight in the morning until 10 at night and watching every dribble of these things and that kind of surprised me a little bit um so we decided uh that we would put these parental programs together uh one because we had a lot of people that knew things you know for most of these parents this is the first time and maybe the only time they'll ever go through this process um, so they had a lot of questions and they felt unsure about how it worked. So we had, we had recruiting people there. We would bring in folks from different conferences to give them stuff on academics. Um, the, the, the process, you know, some of them had kids that maybe were good enough to be a D one walk on or a D two player. Others were high division one players, all that stuff. So we, we kind of gave them a lay of the land. They could ask questions. Um, and, but the second reason we did it was we wanted to get them away from the players a little bit. And, <laughs> and uh, um, so, but, and that both those, both those goals have been achieved. I think the parents have appreciated it. 
Uh, and, and, you know, I've been impressed that the folks we brought in gave them some really good information. I learned a few things too. Um, uh, but, but, you know, it is good for, you know, it is good for the players to kind of get away a little bit, just have, they, they don't need their parents watching them do drill work in the morning. It's not, you know, the parents should come to the games, like let, let them do the drills on their own. It's not that big of a deal. I don't think, I don't think players need their parents' eyeballs on them all the time for any sport. Um, you know, I, I spoke at a, a big golf tournament years ago, the U.S. Junior Am. Uh, it was at Shoal Creek in Alabama. And so I was there for a couple of days, and I, I was watching the players on the range. And all their parents were there. And, you know, you're like, geez, I just let the kid hit balls. You know, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> um, watch them play, but the kid's just practicing now. You know, they don't, have to, they don't have to concentrate like it's the Masters, you know, every five seconds while somebody's watching them. And uh, this is supposed to be fun. And, right. uh, and, you know, when a kid goes to camp, uh, you know, where's the fun if your parents are on you every, every five minutes, I don't, I don't get it, but, uh, I understand why the parents want to do it. I enjoyed watching my kid, but I, I didn't go to a lot of drills. Uh, you know, I, I, I wanted my kid to know, Hey, we're here supporting you and it's fun watching you play, but how you play is up to you. And uh, you're not going to hear much from me, uh, other than that. <laughs> uh, that's, that's awesome. Jay. I love that. And, uh, yeah, no, the, 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 me and Al were talking a little bit before this about the skills camp and he was like, oh man, the, the parent program, that is genius. So, uh, we wanted yeah. to ask a little bit more about that, but, uh, uh, just yesterday, Nova obviously beating Carolina, your biggest rival as a, as a dookie and you know, the battle for tobacco road. Can you tell us a couple, couple stories that you had firsthand during your time there as a coach or a player? Uh, and, and tell us really why that is the greatest rivalry in all sports. I don't know why why it resonates so much with people outside of the rivalry. Uh, <laughs> the the reason it's the best rivalry is because so many people are interested in it. It's it's annually our highest rated games on ESPN. And I, this is just my view. I don't expect people to agree with this, but I think every every blood rivalry is basically the same. Um, so, you know, whether it's Xavier, Cincinnati or Ohio state, Michigan, I don't think it, I don't think those rivalries differ in any way to the players, the coaches, the fans of those two places, uh, from Duke Carolina. I think the only thing that tends to set Duke Carolina apart is the fact that so many other people think it's a big deal. And so you have people who aren't even invested in the rivalry that watch it and consume it and are, are, are so interested in it, which is kind of surprised me. Um, it, 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 maybe it shouldn't surprise me because the two programs have been so successful. Right, um, right. I, I do think that if you, if you were to look at, you know, championships won and high level success that Duke Carolina probably is the best rivalry of any of them. Um, they've won more championships than Michigan, Ohio state in football, um, and basketball. Um, I think they've, they've won, they've won more. Uh, that then collectively than the Red Sox and Yankees. Now the Yankees have won more than anybody by themselves, <laughs> but, but the two the two together, um, you know, I, I tend to think it's 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 better. Um, at least that they're competitive at the same time more often for the championship. Let's put it that way. Um, but when I was playing, you know, Coach K, my first year at Duke was Coach K's third year at Duke. That's how long ago it was, but. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan was at uh, my first year. Carolina had won the national championship the year before with James Worthy and, and Michael Jordan. That 
uh, Sam Perkins, that whole crew. And, uh, and so Worthy had gone on to the NBA, but they were still like the number one team in the country. And so you played against those guys and man, it was a different animal. And I, I probably didn't understand the depth of the rivalry until I played in it. I'd heard about it. I'd seen a little bit of it. Um, but I, I didn't know, I didn't know how big of a deal it was where, you know, Duke fans of North Carolina would lose, um, and they'd lose a game to somebody maybe we lost they they still felt like it was a good day because carolina lost i'm like no no <laughs> it's not like that's not how this works right and we wound up when, when i knew like this is totally i don't understand this was we had beaten north carolina in the acc tournament in 1984 so you know they were number one that jordan kenny smith and it was Brad Darty. It was, it was just a team full of lottery picks. It was absurd how talented they were. So we beat them. And it, honestly, it's the only score of a game that I played in that I remember. Because I, I, I never remembered the score. I didn't look up and say, okay, it's 65-63. I would say, all right, we're up two. So, mm -hmm. you know, the scoreboard in my head was up seven, down three, whatever. Right, um, right. I, I don't remember scores. But I remember the score of that. It was 77-74. Because... Uh -huh. Uh, uh, Duke fans printed up bumper stickers for the win, so it said there were bumper stickers all over Durham that said Duke seventy seven, Duke blue seventy seven, Carolina blue seventy four. The 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 uh, the school printed them up like the 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 bookstore, and they were selling like crazy. And I remember Coach K being upset about it. He, he told he said I didn't know this till recently. He went to the bookstore and said, "Don't do that again. Like you print these up when we win a championship, not for beating somebody." Right. And, and, you know, I thought, how stupid is that? Like they don't print up bumper stickers when they beat us. And, and so this needs to be a regular occurrence. And, um, but later on when I was an assistant coach there at Duke, I think it was 1992, we were the number one team had just won the championship the year before. And we went to Carolina and played in the Dean Dome and, uh, and Carolina beat us. And I think it was our first loss, but I, I'm pretty sure it was. But when we were leaving the floor, uh, the Carolina fans had stormed the court. And we were looking at each other going, are you looking at this? They're storming the court. <laughs> and that was when kind of you realize, okay, this not flipped, but this has become, you know, they want to, their fans, like they're not going to sit there and go, okay, well, it's just we do. It was a big culture. And it's remained there ever since. Um, this just crazy out of perspective game uh, uh, that's cool, really cool when the uh, player guy will play it was a measure for you that if you played, you know, if you could win that game, you could beat anybody. And, uh, um, and so that I, and I wanted to beat Carolina. I didn't grow up in North Carolina or, or around the HCC. I grew up in California and Los Angeles. So I didn't get it, you know, um, uh, but you know, I wanted to beat North Carolina because they were really good. I didn't. I didn't want to beat them because you know some Hatfield McCoy thing that went back a hundred years. That, that wasn't any big deal to me. Um, I, I still don't understand it. Like to me, um, like I, I think I have so much respect for the North Carolina program. Like Duke and Carolina recruit the same guys, and the guys that go to Carolina that Duke people hate, and the guys that go to Duke the Carolina people hate. If they had made a different decision, they would love the same guy they hate. I mean, it, it, it's that it's that sort of uh, ridiculous in, in the level it gets. But um, but I love it. It's great. 
Um, but people somehow, some people think that, like, I go to these games now. I, I don't know how many Duke Carolina games I've done as a broadcaster. I go to these games, I couldn't give a rat's ass who wins. I know it's going to be a great game. Like, I do not care who wins. Um, they can handle that on their own. I have too much respect for those programs to to care about that. I just don't care. And some of your uh, favorite pros that come out of Villanova. Oh, Alan Ray would be number one. <laughs> uh, they've had so many guys, like so many guys. Like that's one of the reasons, Alan, I said that that, and I meant that and still mean it that I thought Villanova had the best culture in, in basketball, and I didn't limit it to college basketball. I felt the best culture in the game was um and i do think changed after uh like you guys went to the final four in 09 and and i and he made just go the from the side seem okay after that all oh no and access to higher workers all of a sudden all these mcdonald's of america had going up on their list and and i think maybe for a year or two um talent over talent plus character and getting a Villanova guy may have crept in a little bit, and then it, and then it got back on the tracks where like we're taking Villanova guys, like only Villanova guys, and you know whether it's Jalen Brunson or Mikael Bridges or whatever, you name all these guys that are you know they developed over time, they were gas good players, and the the older guys trained the younger guys and were kind of role models for them. Um, you know, win or lose, they put their arm around a younger guy and, and lead him around. This is how we do it. And guys wanted to do that. Like when you model that kind of winning behavior, um, it's contagious. And the opposite is true too. Like when you model losing behavior, that's contagious too. Right. You know, you, you bring a bad influence in the locker room. That's, that's contagious. That's 10. And, and yeah, but you know, like it, it happens and, and Villanova's done such a great job with that over the years of, of getting Villanova guys. And Duke does the same thing. They, they get Duke guys. Now, look, you're going to make a mistake here or there and you get fooled into thinking somebody is one and maybe they're not. But they get weeded out pretty quick. And uh, that, that to me, is what one of the what culture is all about. It's the environment you set every day on and off the floor. And, and it, it's also the, the environment you tolerate. You know, are you going to tolerate something less? So if a guy's not doing what he's supposed to do, are you going to let it slide because he's a really good player? Because that's going to infect the rest of the team too. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. Like there there was, uh, I, I'm not going to use a name in this, but really good player at a place, uh, a top-level school. Um, dad played in the NBA. Kid comes in to the coach and says, you know what, I, I need it to be a certain way next year. I need this, I need that. And the coach said, you know what, it's time for you to go pro. And you're thinking, wait a minute, like, you know, you're telling one of your best players, guy who's going to be an MVP candidate in the league to go. And that's how you're going to be better at that. So he basically called the players club and said, it's time for you to go. And the guy left, went pro and their team got better. You know, their, their team performed better the next year. And they did without or with them. Cause I think, and look, that's not always going to be harder. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, Um, but it's quite. But guys, I think guys, uh, the guys that are left there go, you know, he's the coach is our guy. Right. Like he, he he's not gonna like. I think you can play for a guy like that, and you're willing to give everything. If if the coach is making compromises for a few guys on core principles and core values, the rest of the team sees that, 
and and it's going to affect them. And you don't know it, it. It may be just a little bit. You know, maybe maybe it's a per, a small percentage decrease in effort or buy-in or whatever people want to call it. It's going to show up at some point. It's going to show up when you, you when you need it the the most. And uh, um, I I really believe that. And I think those are the standards that the best coaches set. That the rules apply to everybody. And you know, like the best players don't get to be late for the bus. Yeah. And they don't get to cut these corners. They don't get to do that. Now, now, you know, the, the really smart coaches don't get on the bus until the best player gets off. But <laughs> they make sure it's a guy a little bit late while well, I'll come down late. Uh, but, but, you know, it's that kind of stuff. I mean, you can have little things, but, but, uh, but the big stuff, the important stuff, you, you have to, you have to draw a line and everybody's got to toe it. And so Jay, uh, as a broadcaster, You've seen some incredible players. You, you named some some great ones. Just came from Villanova. I, my dad is a big fan of yours, and he actually met you on like a street corner in New York City before the Big East tournament way back like 13 years ago. And back when Willie Cauley Stein played for Kentucky, it felt like you know you would have fun saying that guy's name because he was great for Kentucky back in you know 2014, 2015. Do you have any other players that that come to mind where you just really enjoyed? calling their games oh yeah i mean i you know it, it's pretty rare that i don't enjoy calling <laughs> any game um you know there are some games where teams play really they, they're really slow teams and all that stuff and the games are slugfests and it's a 55 54 game I, mm -hmm. I, I i'll be honest i don't enjoy those as much i want to see teams play and score and so I, I much prefer a game played in the 80s than a game played in the 50s. That's my personal preference. Um, just like when I go to a football game, I don't want to watch them hand it off three times in a row and punt. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like the wide open offenses and stuff like that. Um, but to me, um, you know, the more I'm around these different programs, like what I do uh, when I can uh, is I go, because schedules may not allow it, but if I'm doing a game, I go in the day before and I land, I usually land in the morning mm -hmm. and I try to spend the whole day with, uh, with those programs and go to practice. If the coaches all, you know, if they're having meetings, if I can go in, I go in stuff like that. Cause I want to, I want to be around it and learn about it because you learn things about these players and the teams that are really interesting and, and they're inspiring, frankly, um, you know, learning stories about players and, what they've gone through and, and uh, you know, and watching players improve over time. Like there's a Villanova, uh, Villanova player that I uh, respect uh, greatly was Jermaine Samuel. You know, when he came in, he was not all that and he had to learn all this stuff and he was kind of behind in a lot of ways. And the dude stuck with it and became a great player and, and one, you know, one uh, hundred plus games for them. Um, and those are the stories I really like. In addition, like the, the, obviously the greatest talents wind up sticking out. So if you were to ask me, uh, who's the best player you've ever covered and whatever, you know, you may say Kevin Durant or this guy or whatever, but, um, but the Jermaine Samuels type stories uh, are some of the more inspiring. One of the reasons I, I enjoy doing this so much and I'm still doing it because it's, it's, uh, it's really fun. Um, you know, I get, to, I get the best seat at the, at the game. I never lose. And, <laughs> uh, I get I get to watch the players warm up, and if the place has got really good popcorn, I get a tub of popcorn. And I sit there and watch warm ups. You know, it's pretty good, pretty good gig. Not bad.
Not bad at all. Uh, Jay, I uh, really appreciate you coming on, hanging out with us uh, for for an hour on your Friday night. Seriously, really appreciate it. It was a it was an absolute blast, man. I hope to do it again soon. Always my pleasure. Call me anytime. I'd love to be with you again. All right. Absolutely. Will do. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Jay. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. You too, guys. Thank you. So, Jane Billis, everyone, man, and A. Ray, just one of the best guests we've had on. Definitely loves to talk ball, all aspects of it when it comes to just Big East, Villanova specifically, NIL, Transfer Portal, his days back at Duke, Coach K, Jay Wright, the culture, everything, man. That was so much fun. But boy, he is just a smart, intelligent man that knows the game of basketball. That is for, for sure. What's up, y'all? That's just OC's way of saying he was nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you weren't nervous either, right? That's, yeah, that's that's OC telling uh basically that he was nervous. Yeah. I wasn't even yeah. nervous. I'm not gonna sit here and lie. And say I wasn't. It's Jay Billis. <laughs> no, this is Jay Billis. So I was no strainer. But OC was definitely nervous. But it's all good. I carried him. <laughs> I carried him on my back, and we finished yo, the show. Yo, that was too funny. There and there were a couple times, man, where we were like, "All right, where where do we go? Where do we go?" I let you roll for a while. I I didn't want to bring it back to the NL and transfer portal. Once we moved off, did we did anyways? It worked out. And I I I think it's just funny that him and his colleague at ESPN, Seth Greenberg, another great guest of ours from a couple months ago, they. Obviously, two of them know the game of basketball very well, know college basketball, everything that goes with it with recruiting. Their transfer portal and NIL mindsets definitely varied, differed in, in, in a lot of ways. But I, I, I see both sides, but I also kind of love Billis's just like, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. I, I He said that so many times. I was like, you're convincing me, man. Like, you're convincing me that it's all good. And uh, I, I just thought that was great. We we covered all the bases there with Jay, and uh, what an awesome guest. To, to shout out to to Jay Billis, the illustrator himself, for stopping on raining threes. Yeah, definitely. And he came on a Friday too, mm-hmm. and he just got back from Hawaii. So that's that says a lot that uh, he he really likes raining threes, and you know he he messes with us. So yeah, I'm I'm really happy that he took his time out to to come on the show with us. And just to talk hoops, we learned a lot today. You know, I love interviewing guys like like him because you could learn so much from him, and you can learn from like other people that he's learned from too. So that was that was definitely a great show, and I don't know how we pulled that off, but we did. <laughs> yes, sir. More to come too, A Ray. We're not finished, and uh, I, I one of my funniest moments where I was just like a little taken aback, where he was like. Duke, Carolina, the rivalry is just like any other rivalry in sports. But it's, you know, between two really great programs that are very successful and he has respect for Carolina. So it was very cool to hear him say that. I was a little surprised that he wasn't going to kind of gas it up as most people that are a part of that rivalry really do. So I thought that was kind of cool to him, you know, play it off like that. Very down-to-earth guy that's not going to gas anything up, uh, you know, for no reason. So... Um, just straight facts from Jay, man. Just bottom line, no nonsense. He's going to get to the point and tell you what he thinks. And just uh, an awesome experience to, to have him on with us, A-Ray. Um, and he, he seemed like he was throwing some respect on Villanova's name, man. 
as well as the Big East. I think I think both of us know A Ray, Marquette, and UConn look like not they're not just the class of the Big East, but the class of college basketball in general right now. So pretty cool to hear his perspective on how, you know, he's been impressed with with some certain teams thus far from the Big East and and just really how much potential the Big East has in terms of just being amongst the best of the best uh, conferences in all of the landscape. No, I definitely agree with him when he was talking about Marquette and uh, and UConn being, you know, like the top two teams right now. Uh, I, I really do believe UConn still looks like they haven't missed a beat from last year. And Marquette looks the same way as well. They still look like they're highly motivated to – to win the league, which is which is great for us because that's going to raise our level of play in the Big East as well. But you gotta you gotta be kind of not kind of, but you gotta be happy with what Villanova has done so far this season. And then just to top it off, you know, to to top off how they responded after beating Penn by winning this battle for Atlantis and beating a number fourteen team, like that has to say a lot and has to make you feel comfortable. It has to OC. You got to be comfortable right now. Oh man, uh, I could not be feeling better. In all honesty, in terms of coming into this weekend, when we sat down and discussed what our expectations were and what were our hopes were, really uh, was to just get two wins. Right? We just wanted yeah. to get two victories. Whether that came on Wednesday and Thursday, or Wednesday and Friday, we took care of business against Texas Tech. Which, yo, ooh, in what world do you see Texas Tech? shooting the lights out from threes the way they did. They they hung around with us. We every time they had a, you know a run, you know what had happened. An you know why that happened. Why? Why? Cuz they was cuz they was playing against us. That's why they was hitting on yeah. threes. It's just like clockwork, man. It never fails for these guys yeah. to catch fire against us. They're shooting 20% going into the game. Texas Tech is known as a program that does not shoot the long ball well. They do anyways against us. I mean, some of these moon balls were dropping in. I was like, you got to be kidding me. But yeah. won the game by 16. The Carolina win, the 14th ranked team in the country. That signature win for Kyle Neptune, no doubt about it. But just Eric Dixon, we talked about this uh, just over the last couple of weeks, A-Ray. When Eric scores 30-plus points, we're not going to lose to anybody, right? Like that, Maybe Justin can score 25, 30 points. Maybe we lose, but Eric... Low key just opens up the offense for everybody else and can and really just makes everyone better in terms of being able to score the basketball. How many times has Dixon scored thirty? Twice. Twice, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I witnessed both of them. I'm, I, I can say I witnessed both of them. It's just amazing to see his improvement, like from game from year to year. It's like it's unbelievable. And like Jay said today, he looks slimmer. He's faster out there. Like, dude really takes his his career seriously, and he really takes the basketball serious. Like, that's what I get from from Dixon. The way he plays, the way he carries himself, the way he improves, like, he's serious about about him. He's serious. Hey, right. Do you know why? You know what actually convinced me how serious he was? Was his <laughs> refusal to eat the wings on the Nova Wing Guys channel. And stuck with his salmon salad. He stuck with his guns. He did not venture off the beaten path. He stuck with what he knows and his salmon salad. He wolfed that baby down. And what do you know? He, he, it delivered, man. He looks slimmer. He looks felt out there. He looks more athletic, more agile. 
It's really just been fun to watch him play thus far this season, especially the last three days. I mean, the guy was the MVP of the battle for Atlantis, man. Pretty awesome stuff from, from our guy, Eric. I knew you was going there with the wings. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, had, I knew you was going there. But it's it's funny, but it, it's true. Like, you know, that's that's Eric Dixon. Like, he's on camera, and they're doing, I don't know, promotion or whatever, whatever they was doing. And he's serious about him. Like, nah, I don't want I don't want the wings. Yeah. Yeah. They were just trying to, you know, taste some wings, rate them and 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 you know, provide a review for whoever I think they were at a, a concha hawk in uh, wings place. So very funny to see how disciplined Eric was even in the line of of fire with the Dover wing guys. And he said, No, sir, I am not not going off my dietary plan and I'm sticking with it. And what do you know? I think uh I think all of his hard work is really starting to pay off now. And this is just the beginning, obviously, this season. I think we're going to see a really just a monster year uh, for, for Eric. And I think this is the first of many 30-point games this year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets, you know, three or four more over the course of the year. And I, I'm just so pumped up, man, because we've seen this team. We talked about it with how the Philadelphia Eagles are, are so great at winning in different styles. Three wins, A-Ray, three different styles, right? We had Eric and Justin leading the show on Wednesday, on Thursday, Thanksgiving, the, the victory against Carolina. Today, in the championship game against Memphis, we had all five of our starters in double figures. That includes some guys off the bench as well with Hart with seven. I think um, Housen had eight or not. I mean, the, the, the contributions were just incredible from all across the board, man. And and just the the, the style of play that Villanova can can play to to just to win is so many, right? There there are a lot of different ways they can they can win. And it's just a fun, fun team to watch when they're playing well offensively. But you know what, A Ray? You can always trust their defense. It really seemed like I just believe in them defensively, night in, night out, doesn't matter who they're playing, doesn't matter what the score is, they're going to give their best defensive effort on every damn play. Yeah. So while you was talking, I don't know, Longino came to mind. Mm -hmm. And I really think Longino is making a case for himself. I really think, like, he's trying to establish himself on, like, what his role on this team is going to be. And I like Longino a lot. I think he brings a different aspect to Villanova. You see J-Mo backing down, right? You see Bamba sometimes, or a lot of times backing down because these guys are strong and big. Not to say that uh, Longino isn't strong or big too, but Longino is the one person like you'll see, he'll just break the damn offense and just attack. Right. He'll just attack the paint and, and go for a layup and get fouled or he'll score, you know, maybe sometimes he'll turn it over too, but, like, he's the only player that, like, will just break, he'll just break things and just go to the basket or, or just try to create something for himself. And that's what I love about him, and that's why I feel like he's going to be, like, a hell of a player because, like, he's figuring out ways to, like, make himself effective, like, in the offense because it's not ran through him, but he's making this, making himself be effective, so... Just watch out for him, man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Longino finished with eight points. Hart had seven, and Housen had six off the bench while all five starters were in double figures. Awesome stuff to see in the balance of scoring on the offensive end. 
And defensively, just we got after Memphis uh, in the championship game, holding them to 16 points in the first half. We did get, have that little dicey run where they scored 21 in a row. You, yeah. you don't love to see that, but I think maybe, you know, just human nature a little bit. You take your foot off the gas just slightly, and Memphis is a good enough team where they can make you pay. Luckily, they go on that 21 nothing run, and we're still up 14, right? It's yeah. just, That's how bad we were beating them. That's how well we were playing up to that point. We got the momentum back a little bit, and we were able to shut the door on them, which is what uh, you want to see in that championship round. So congrats to uh, those Villanova Wildcats, man. Three-time uh, champions of the battle for Atlantis. Pretty impressive stuff, and it really does bode well for the rest of the season, Alan. You win a, a preseason, early season tournament like this against a, a really good field, as as Billis mentioned earlier, with Memphis, Michigan, Arkansas, Carolina, Texas Tech, like some seriously impressive programs in the mix. Nova comes out on top. Uh, I am beyond thrilled to say that we responded like coach Ashley Howard said on raining threes after the loss against Ben we took care of business against Maryland and three impressive wins in a row highlighted by that overtime victory against the 14th ranked Tar Heels so just really impressed I'm excited I'm full of joy and happiness on this Black Friday and I really think we're going to kind of keep the ball rolling Got St. Joe's coming up next. The big flying. Big, big five cannot be slept on no longer, Alan. We got to take care of business. And Kansas State, UCLA on the horizon as well. Some more tests to come before Big East play starts, my friend. No, definitely. Um, I just want to hear your thoughts real quick. I think Hakeem Hart, he looked as comfortable as today. Oh, yeah. Oh, For yeah. Sure. You could just tell by his body language, right? Yeah. Like, he was fired up to be out there. He was having fun. He was knocking down his corner threes. Yeah. Totally felt like it was just, all right, he's coming out party a little bit. Also, Nana and Joku, how about his role that he played in the Carolina W? I mean, that guy came off the bench and provided some key minutes. I was thoroughly impressed with Nana and what he brought to the table. See, I'm like, man, I would love to see Lance and... Big Eve on the court together a lot. But damn, Nana comes in and you play like that. I would like to see you out there too, big fella. <laughs> I would love to see you out there. He play like that. I really think that was uh that's a good call. Oh, I definitely uh noticed that too. He definitely played well for us. And it's just like damn, like now you want him to get more minutes. That's right. So that's right. That's a great point that you brought up, and I feel like Mark today took a made a step forward today, yeah. And just like confidence, being able to just just make that play at the end of the game, that takes a lot of confidence. You're not worried about what the coach is going to say after, or what your teammates are going to say after. Just go and make a play, and you know Mark has that ability, and he can do that. So it was great to see him do that too. Oh, one thousand percent. It was fun to watch, and just a couple missed layups by Mark. Yeah. And Bamba had those a little bit too. That would be maybe my only complaint of the battle for Atlanta showing was we just missed a lot of easy layups. We were missing too many layups. It, it was too many. Eric too. Eric was missing layups too. Yeah. Like I, I'm not going to go ahead and say I can't complain because we walked three wins, but against really solid, really to solid to very good competition in the Big East, we got to find a way to knock those down and get them to fall, get them to drop because. It's going to come down to, you know, a possession or two in a lot of these Big East uh, matchups. So, yeah. 
Uh, if that's the one complaint we have, A Ray, I think we're in a pretty good spot. Uh, and just like, how about that pass from Lance Ware to Tyler Burden for the dunk against Memphis State? You know what I'm talking about? He, it was like he led him quickly. Right, right bounce pass. I oh, my, it was beautiful. I was like, damn, Lance, I didn't know you, you had that in your bag. My, <laughs> and that was incredible. I mean, it was like he fit it right past JQ, right, just perfectly led him. It was like poetry in motion. Burton went, immediately went up with it and slammed it home. Yeah. So just, if we're making passes like that, man, from transfer to transfer, you know these guys are picking up what they're putting down when it comes to playing Villanova basketball. Nah, these guys definitely look comfortable this 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 weekend in the tourney. They look like they played with each other before. They look like they've been a team for three, four years. So right. I was I was happy with with these guys, and I'm telling you, the whole time I just had a smile on my face because I could just see, you know, I I don't go off what the masses say. Like I go off of of what I see, and I can see this team is 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 headed in the right direction. And not only is the team headed in the right right direction, but like we have the players that can really take us to the next level. You know, I was about to give a prediction there, but I caught myself. Ah, ah, whoa, whoa. I caught myself. Here, Nick and Knight, stop the recording. Hey, Ray is giving a prediction. I caught myself. <laughs> I almost did. No, no, man, that's that's great. I know that's not your thing, and that's that, that's okay. And I, I, I might have lowball us a little bit with the two win totals. So, yeah. uh, shout out to to Trev uh, Kerward. He he gave a three. He said that we're going to cut down a net. So shout out to Trev. Uh, that's my guy. And uh, just just one more funny thing about the Valper Atlantis. Like I love the the tweets from Phil and Jalen and Mikel chirping some of the you know Theo Pinson, some of those Carolina guys. But the the best was how Phil had his extra iPad and you're so you're talking about burner phones being a must. You gotta have that extra bat phone hidden in your sock to make sure you, you you can still text the girl or something like that. I thought that was hysterical, man. So, um, just this great constant from uh, from our guys all around there because you know you know Phil had that had that extra phone and iPad too. That was great for real. That was funny. I mean, but what can I say? You can't find content like that anywhere else. Oh, you're absolutely right. And it, I mean, apparently our guys seem so locked in that they didn't have any any bat phones or burner iPads, extra iPads lying around. So they came ready to play. They were on a mission. It was a business trip. It was a fun thing to watch. It made my Thanksgiving. And uh, just, just, I'm, I'm, the mood today versus the mood after losing the game to Ben is just night and day, complete polar opposites. It's unbelievable, and this is just so great for the podcast, Stay Ray. We just had Jay Billis on. The sky is the limit for this basketball team and you, myself, and Miguel. So just really fun stuff. Uh, we're hoping to get that UCLA game on yeah. December the 9th. We'll see what happens there. I did take off work, so I'll be able to to at least watch it if we don't wind up going, but uh, some, some more fun tests to come. St. Joe's, Kansas State, UCLA, all lined up before conference play starts. And uh, on the, December the 2nd, is the, the Wells Fargo Center is hosting the Big Five Classic. So some plenty more basketball to go, some more tests to really build this team up and, and get ready for, for Big East play. Oh, no, you said the Big Five is playing at Wells Fargo? Yeah, man, that's the Big Five Classic. It's like three games in a row. 
uh, all are big, going to be big five teams, but instead it's actually the city six because the Drexel Dragons will be playing there as well. So they're going to get people to come out to that game in oh, Wells yeah. Fargo? Yeah, if you get one ticket, A-Ray, it's good for all three games. All right, so I'm not – I just haven't been around Big Five in a long time, but – I got you. I, I, seen, I seen when we played Penn, that was a pretty good crowd. But, you know, we yeah. always get crowds when we play there. So I, I'm not sure, like, the atmosphere of the other schools when they play each other. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. And I know, obviously, the Wells Fargo Center isn't the palestra, but they wanted it to, to be at Wells Fargo because it sells more seats, holds more capacity – so it'll be a fun event, and once uh, all the, the prior pod games, they're calling them, wrap up, we'll know where we stand and if we have a chance uh, you know, to, to win the Big Five title. I think that's still up for grabs, even though we did lose the first game to Penn. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, we'll monitor that. We do have St. Joe's coming up on the 29th. Uh, so, you know, a, a little bit of a, of a lull in action after seeing three games in a row. Uh, but don't worry, me and A-Ray will continue to bring you guys as much Villanova Big East basketball content as we possibly can because we are not done, man. Uh, onward and upward, the sky's the limit. I really think we're going to continue because our, our stock is on the rise right now, my friend. Yeah, and before we go, man, I just want to ask you one question. What do you got? The weight that was on Kyle Neptune's shoulders compared to last week to now, how much it weighs now? Oh, man. I mean, it, he's got the monkey off his back, at least for the time being, because, wow, like just a fun, fun tournament down in the Bahamas because we won in every every style, every close game, blowout, you name it. Like we were with Texas Tech, they were hanging around, then we pulled away. Carolina, we came back, fought back, won overtime, yeah. smacked around Memphis. We we're up 35. They came back with a 21 point run of their own then we close the door at the end so you name it we got it all there packed into a three-game session down atlantis and that maryland game too was a fun watch as well we were up 20 to 6 never looked back and just i i'm thoroughly impressed by the way we responded after the loss four games over four big time programs in a row and i think this is just the beginning for this wildcat scene we're seeing what they can be as a unit Together, playing together, playing a, a full 40 minutes. I know they maybe didn't do that today fully, but you got to think, A.R.A., man, what can this team do? It gets you excited just to think about. Yeah, man. Nova Nation, I know you guys are excited. Yes, yes. <laughs> I know you guys are. And I don't want to see nothing about Final Four, nothing. We taking it game by game. I'm excited as well. It just feels good to be back on this side of the wing column. So I agree with you, OC. I'm just going to keep my my excitement. I'm going to control it a little bit. That's all. I'm going to show it, but I'm going to control it. But I'm definitely happy, and I feel good. Yes. Well said, A-Ray. You don't want to get too ahead of yourself, but uh, certainly a great sign of things to come in the future for this Wildcat team in the 2023-24 season. So with Alan Ray, I am your host, Mike O'Connell. Thank you guys so much for listening to the latest edition of Rain and Threes featuring our guy Jay Billis. Shout out to Jay. Unbelievable content from him. And A-Ray, always a pleasure, my friend. Appreciate you. Peace. Appreciate you too, OC. Peace out. Yes, sir. Peace out. Peace out.